Train Shuffling is brought to you by Midgard Hobbies and Games, your friendly local game store located in Derry, New Hampshire. And by Luxury Playstyle, maker of fine metal gaming accessories. Visit LuxPlay.com and use promo code LUXINFORMANT for 15% off. And most importantly, we're brought to you by our wonderful patrons. If you'd like to buy a share of Train Shuffling, visit us at Patreon.com slash Train Shuffling. Enjoy the show! Hey everyone! Welcome to episode 30 of Train Shuffling, the one about 18 Neb. Wow, that's very exciting of you to say. Thank you. That's all the, That's all my excitement I have for the episode. Len's here. I'm so excited. This is 18 Neb. I'm so excited. Oh, Even my. though we're not quite going to talk about it, I heard. We're not going to talk about it? What? Well, because you didn't win. Oh, yeah. No, we're not oh. going into specific details. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about it because I didn't have a fantastic game. Yeah. So, so la- yeah, yeah, last episode we did a a play by play on what game was it? The one where Eric won. Yeah, the one where Eric won. Eighteen forty eight. We did a play by play, and Eric specifically requested that we shorten this episode by not doing a play by play based on the fact that he didn't win this game. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. By the way, I'm Eric Hyden. I'm Johnny Hollander, and we're joined today again Len by Kay. Len Kay, oh, which I Len who, Kay. who I keep interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Len. Introduce yourself again so everyone can hear your beautiful voice. Hi, I'm Len Kay. Wow. Welcome, Len Kay. You're like made for radio. A face for radio, as they say. Mm. <laughs> uh, you're just like that guy on The Tonight Show. Which one? <laughs> the one you always reference and Eric had to look up. <laughs> I don't know, that guy with the face. Don't you reference him every other time you're on? Yes. And now oh, you don't know David his... Brenner? David Brenner. Yeah. <laughs> David Brenner. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Anyway, shall we? Yeah, we shall. Let's receive some starting capital. Thank you to our robber barons. That's Joe S, Joe L, Mason R, Eric S, and Philip C. You guys are great. Thanks for the support. And thank you also to our random patron lottery winner, Rick Dutton, aka the designer of Fourth Age. We appreciate you. A prestigious award for a prestigious designer. Also, since our last episode, since the last time actually that we did one of the um, the full episodes, as tonight shall be, our 30th episode, that is three decades worth if we did one every year. <laughs> um, we have two new patrons. That's uh, Eric Monty and Tom Walker. I'm assuming Monty and not Monte or Mont with a silent E. Yeah. Or Belmonte. I do know someone named Belmonte with an E at the end. So that confirms we pronounced it correctly. <laughs> okay, let's move along to our private auction. Housekeeping. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna clarify how you pronounce Tom's last name? Tom. Oh, Walker? Uh it's either Walker <laughs> or, or Walker. Walker. <laughs> Probably Tom Walker. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Oh my. This is getting sillier by the episode. Private auction, housekeeping corrections. We actually have some this time that we, um, well, let's see. When when even was, I need to look this up. We're so unprepared. Well, it's been a while. No, no, okay, all right. Only two episodes. Last time was kind of a, we we didn't do the full episode. Um, so in, our, in response to our episode 1828, um, 1828, our episode 28 about 18 Africa, we got an email from Dave Barry, the designer of 18GB. And he wrote and said, Hi, Eric. Hi, Johnny. I'm listening to your 18 Africa episode. Oh, I'm sorry. I should Here's a little preface. Uh, if you recall that episode, if you listened to us, we did some complaining, specifically, I think, Johnny. No, we both did. Uh, about the train types and how we didn't find them sensical. And like they didn't fit the modern system of what we would consider, you know, trains. So I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think I said they were nonsensical. I said that I felt they were hard to remember yeah. based on the standard naming convention I'm used to and that I had to keep looking up, what does this train do? Right. I'm using hyperbole. <laughs> so he said, in response to our episode, I'm listening to your 18 Africa episode and enjoying your encounter with the strangeness of that game. But you're saying the train nomenclature isn't standard, which isn't so. It follows one of the many standards around. You've played 1861 and 1867, I believe, the optional trains in that are 5 plus 5e and 2 plus 2, which work on the same principle as the 3 plus 3 and 4 plus 4e, or whatever they are, in 18 Africa. The first game to add 2 plus 2, 4 plus 4e, and 3t trains to the mix was 
he wrote Drumroll there. The first expansion kit to the granddaddy of them all, 1829. You'll find similar trains in some of Francis Tresham's other designs, including 1825 and 1829 Mainline. 18 Africa is directly inspired by 1829 Mainline, so naturally follows the original standard for naming trains. Chef would have been familiar with this standard from Francis's earlier games as well. That's Jeff Edmonds that he's referring to, the designer of 18 Africa. Obviously, at some point in 18xx history, another designer came up with the idea of a train that doubled the income and rather than follow the existing standard, decided to adopt the 3D nomenclature instead. Others copied that, and now we have two standards. In practice, there are other variants as well. In a few titles, the 3D train can also skip cities and so should be called 3DE trains if there was really a standard that people followed consistently. I think there are also titles that have 4E trains that double income, so should be called 4D or 4DE, but there isn't a completely consistent standard out there. I agree with all this. Uh, when someone... when Standard... Some, I mean, it's objective. We must agree. It is objective, yes. Uh, Len, <laughs> what were you saying? Standards are good. That's why we have lots of them. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when someone designed a title with N plus M trains that run to N cities and M towns, that introduced another naming clash, I think, although I'm not 100% sure that the first titles to include N plus M trains used different sizes for the two numbers, so like big N and little M. Um, uh, fonts, right. Fonts, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This was both a useful memory aid for that the numbers meant, i.e., for I think he means for what the numbers meant, i.e., large stations and small stations, and also helped a bit to distinguish them from the existing capital N plus capital N trains. But that typographical nicety has probably been lost along the way. So we're in a situation where two trains from very different games may have the same name and behave in very different ways. E trains are probably the most inconsistent of all. When I designed 18GB, I used X trains for Express instead, just to flag that they are different from the E trains you'll find in other games. Cheers, Dave. Whew. Thank you, Dave, for that very detailed and well thought out email. And you're right. We actually, I was totally ignorant of the, the, the points on use through 1829. As I feel most people who listen to this podcast probably are. I, you know, I know there's plenty well, of people who, yeah. I, I don't know. Let, do you think that the majority of 18xx players have 18, have played 1829? Did you ask Len that question? It, Did you ask me that question? It's a, a quorum. It's, an, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Whoever gets I to would it first. Say with t I would say it might have been true 10 or 15 years ago, but with today's broadened XX audience, probably not. How much does 1829 cost these days? Five hundo. Oh, the, the last complete set on eBay went for what, like seven, eight hundred dollars? Uh, the case in point. Yeah. Uh, right. So yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to disagree that most people haven't played 1829, but I think our our listenership, uh, we seem to have a fair amount of veterans, so I wouldn't be surprised if if some of our listeners. Uh, I can see know that. This, yes, have for sure. Knowledge. For sure. There's a, there's plenty of people out there that know this. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. It, right. You know, not, we're not we're not experts. Obviously, we've we've say, stated this, but we do have a podcast about train games, and we didn't know this. So so I think that there's plenty of people who also are in the same bucket. Eric learned it for the first time when reading this email on the air. No. <laughs> <laughs> when did I get this email? It was when did we release episode eight? 28 was November. <laughs> We've been slacking on producing. It's good information. It would be nice if there was a was, was like the IEEE, the IEEE for uh for 18xx games just yeah, designs all the standards that everyone should should use. No, that would I, I thought that was 18xx.net. Uh .games? No, no, no. No, .net, dot net the dot one that Toby took over. Oh, right. But it used to be a Blackwater station or, you know. That's right. Well, the tiles on it. It's still Blackwater Station. It's just under different management now. Ownership, yeah. Well, that, that's all the corrections that we had in the pipeline, I think. <laughs> I know it was a big, big, long email, but it was good stuff, so I wanted to get out there. And uh, I'm sorry if my stumbling reading made it sound like I hadn't read it, but I had. Take it away, Joe. For those... <laughs> I just... I feel like my inside joke, because it's going to... Len's comment's going to be edited out, and then my joke's <laughs> going to feel like I'm just being an asshole... 
But I want to give some background that I said that to Eric because Len stopped Eric mid-reading of the email and said, it's very obvious that you've never read this email because you keep stumbling mid-sentence. And Eric and I have both read this email before, so I thought it was funny. Uh, Everybody's got to be a critic. Well, to move things along, our initial stock round is, uh, we're going to skip it. This We're just going to go straight to the game without ever having an initial one because we didn't have a listener question last time. So let's lay some track. All right, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so that's 18XX News for uh, anybody new to the podcast. And we had, uh, I don't have a date here, so I don't know exactly when it happened. Chattanooga Rail Gaming Challenge happened recently. Eric, do you know when, when it was? It was when we went to Captain Con, so. Uh, February. It yeah. happened in February. And uh, one of our patrons, uh, Joe Leone, posted a vlog, a video blog, for those not in the know. <laughs> for those of the, for those of you who stopped interneting in the 90s. <laughs> and yeah, do we, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So none of us were there, so we don't really have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, but that's but the had, closest uh, you can get to being there without yeah. having been there. Uh, at least three of our patrons were there uh, that I know of, Mason, Avery, and Joe. And uh, Kyle, Kyle did... was there too. Oh, and Kyle was there as well. And I don't know what if Kyle placed in the tournament or yeah. not. I, have... I don't, don't believe so. Okay, so then, uh, then I, the information I have is maybe complete. Uh, Mason took third place. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Avery came in fifth. And Joe came in seventh. So all great placements. I don't know how many people there are, but that sounds pretty impressive to me. So, I'm, in, I'm impressed. And I think... We also got some news from All Board Games on the current wave, wave four uh, of games that, that he's got coming out. And there was a snag in Germany slash UK, apparently. They're stuck at customs for an indeterminate amount of time. And uh, US and Canada docked in like Miami... Within a month of this recording, probably within three weeks of this recording, people should have those games in hand. They include 1860, 1822 CA. Those are the ones that I'm getting. Johnny, you're getting 1837 and USA? USA, too. Uh, I'm only getting 37 and I'm getting 60. Yeah. 73? Is that one? No. Wasn't there both? There was 37. That's backwards 73. Is that what you're thinking of? I don't know. I thought I thought for some reason that both of those were. I'm looking right now. Wave four shipping updates. 1860 USA. 22CA. Oh, Heartspawn is 73. Heartspawn. 73. Oh yeah. 30, both of them. 37. You didn't and say Heartspawn, so I didn't. I don't know the See, number not, for that one. I'm not crazy. It's got a name. You're crazy. I'm a crazy guy. <laughs> and don't forget 18 Chesapeake off the rails. Oh sure. Um, yeah. So those are all. Hey, come on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yep, those, those are on their way. AAG also has a board game geek post, uh, that's been up for a while. We've mentioned it before where there's wave five voting, um, going on. And I, the threshold that Scott is looking for is 300 votes for a game. There's a quite a hefty list there of those games up there. 1822 PNW, 18 NY, 18 GB, 18 SJ, 21 Moon, and 1866 are on the short list for possible inclusion. Um, I believe 21 Moon just hit the 300 mark. Um, But he said that he won't go ahead with anything. doesn't get 300 votes except for the board-only type expansions. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Have a look. And if there's a game that you want to make happen, go vote for it. You can edit your votes. I changed one of mine. So, From what to what? Well, I just added 21 Moon because I didn't really know much about it before and I started looking into it and thought it looked cool. So I put a put a thumb up for that one too. Cool. Want to lay some tokens? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Let's lay some tokens. Let's talk about what we're interested in playing this weekend. Yeah. So this weekend, somehow we're going to make it happen. <laughs> We're going down to TotalCon in Marlboro, Mass. My favorite word to say, Marlboro. Um, and we're going to play... anybody else from New England says it, by the way. <laughs> Marlboro. They say Marlboro. Right? Yes, that's exactly Marlboro. how anybody Marlboro. else says it. Marlboro. I don't, Marlboro. I don't like... There's so many more letters than Marlboro, so I don't say it that way. Marlboro. Marlboro, Mass. <laughs> 
where we are going to get to play some train games. Uh, there's some snow happening tomorrow when we were supposed to go down. So we, we moved our hotel room booking. By the time you hear this, it'll be in the past because there's no way we're editing this in one day. But we're excited to have had played some train games, which we will already have enjoyed. Of those... What, game, <laughs> what games are we excited to have had played? I will have had a great time playing 1817 on Saturday morning. Um, probably around 9 a.m. Um, the three of us are going to play. Maybe we'll catch a lucky fourth. And uh, it's the first time playing 1817 live for Johnny and I, right? I mean, you played it yep. online live. But but yeah, I played synchronously online. Synchronously. Len, you've played on the table, right? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. A couple of times. Just a couple of times. I printed out a, a reference from... Who was it from? From who's Jazz Fish? Tucker? Tucker. Tucker. Tucker made a very, very nice rules reference sheet on BGG that he posted for 1817. Highly recommend you go check that out if you're playing the game for the first time or even if you're not. I reviewed that. I watched Dan's, uh, Yeknam's excellent video on how to play on the Bankruptcy Club YouTube channel again. And so got it all dialed in. Excited to make some crucial air and get crushed. Yeah. And then the three of us are also together playing 1854 for the first time. They didn't, but it would have been. I think that, Len, have you played that one before as well? Uh, no, I haven't. Is that the current schedule as we're going to have had played that on Saturday afternoon? We will have yes. Had, yes. Okay. Um, and then Sunday's a toss-up. What about you, Len? Do you, do you have a thing you want to play real bad? Or have had wanted to play? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to have played um, 22CA, but we'll have to see if I can be there on Sunday. It's too bad that it didn't happen. Uh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the time joke still. I can't wait till the next time I haven't, didn't play it. <laughs> um, you, what were you saying? So so uh, Eric has a copy of that, Eric B, but it, but he's already down there, I guess, and we missed the cutoff. Um, were you, were you going to try and wrangle up a copy or something? Yeah, we missed that train. Ooh, Sorry. It's a train joke. Ooh, it's a train joke. Well, looking forward to those. Let's move along to our main topic. Let's get right to it. We'll report back from uh, Total Con or post Total Con, which is also now, I guess, and uh, tell you all about it. Right? <laughs> feels weird recording this in the future. Whatever you say, Eric. <laughs> we're, we're, it feels weird recording this what? In the future. Yeah, I know. Time travel was wild. Uh, well, as you recall from an early episode, trains do annihilate time and space. So, True. It's a well-known fact. All right, let's run some trains. We're going to talk about our first impressions of 18 Neb by Matthew Campbell. Yeah, so we got a copy of 18 Neb. We, I, bought a copy of 18 Neb from, there it is, I'm pointing to it now, not where I was originally pointing, from Golden Spike Games. We got our big order in, we talked about it a little while ago, and I cracked the rule book to that puppy, learned it up real good, and we played it. And uh, it was all of our first games. We played with Eric B. It was not his first. As well. It was not his first game. It was his second game. The last time he played it, I believe he said, was on the order of eight years ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And he, did he say he like he gave it a, what did he, he gave it a four or five at the time That's or something? Spoilers. His exact words were, it went from mild dislike to pure hatred and loathing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did not say that for the record. <laughs> no, he he did say that he changed his rating from a five to a four after this play. I do actually have um, some words from him on that. Oh, right, right, right. I remember where that is. Yeah, let's start on a positive note and go with Yeah, let's. let's. <laughs> Eric, he, he, he wasn't a fan. We enjoyed it, so we're going to talk about it. So, 18 Neb, we're going to describe the rules a little bit, like some of the rough highlights of what the game is, for those who haven't played. I guess apologies for people who have played. It serves as a little rules refresher, but, you know, you've been through one of these before. So, 18 Neb is a partial cap game, so, you know, you're buying shares out of the treasury. Giving him that money. First of all, when I learned this game, I was like, ooh, a partial cap game that has some interesting things. This group that I play with a lot loves partial cap games. I saw a bunch of similarities to 1846 in there. I thought, man, this is going to be a good short, you know, alternative. 1846 is already short, but an alternative to 1846 that we could play on, on short things. I know 46 isn't your favorite, Johnny. So I thought, great, a shorter game that's a little different. We'll try it out. So partial cap game. 
the opening auction is not a waterfall auction. It is, I've never seen one of these before, actually. It's the most straightforward auction that I've experienced in an 18xx game where you bid till everybody passes. You just keep bidding on different privates. It's not like you put one up. You like there's five privates out. You can bid on one and then someone else can bid on another and another. And then once everybody goes around and passes, then whatever bids, whatever the high bids are on everything, they get sold. And if nobody bid on something, then the price for that particular private goes down. And that's how that goes, which I thought was refreshing and very straightforward and easy. So kudos to Matthew Campbell for coming up with that one, if he came up with it. I'm going to, I guess we'll skip over the the privates and I don't want to dominate the, the rules, but I guess a couple more more things is that uh, one of the big things in this game is that there are no cities on the map when you start the game besides the name cities, Denver right. yeah. and, and Omaha are, are pre-printed and there's off boards as well, but everything else besides Denver and Omaha, they're dits. And as you play, there are no yellow plain cities in, in the tile roster. So when you run to one of the dits, you place a, a dit, you know, yellow dit or a town or whatever you want to doink, doink whatever you want to call them. And then when they upgrade from that to green, they can upgrade and they turn into green cities. But all of the green cities, barring Omaha, which is like a special location, have one uh, token slot. So it's very- Yeah, one token slot. Yeah, and only three tracks out, kind of like the green cities in OE. That's They're not, not X's and K's, that's right? That's not true. There are X's and K's and no? peace signs. I'm looking at the tile roster. Maybe I, maybe I played a different game. No, just <laughs> who knows where you went in your head. Well, well, no, but the pot, the um, the option is there because I remember I had those coming out of Denver that there was a uh, mm. or I got one. The one I got blocked in was only three track coming. That out. is special. Denver is a special tile. Denver. No, not in, Den not in Denver. Oh. a couple of hexes east or so. I thought, but obviously I played a different game. Yeah, you're misremembering that. I'm looking at the tile roster now, and okay. there are. Uh, you can edit this whole part out. No, no. I mean, it's fine. Um, anyway, uh, so that's like a big thing of the game is you're also running a lot of the trains. They're like two plus twos or or not. You know, it depends on what train you're running. But you, you're planning for all these dits. And then other people can upgrade a town in your way and then like drop a token in the middle of your route and cut you off, which is part of what Eric didn't like. He didn't like that aspect of not being able to plan. But I think it's just a different mindset than a lot of the games that he likes to play. Now, that part I did have right, that the green cities only have one token slot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Did I say they... No, no, I'm just kind of... Okay. Those are the those are like the, the main big differences. It's a pretty small game. It's not a, a ton of map. Um, there's a east to west bonus where you get to double one city on the route if you run from east to west, very similar to 1846, except you pick a city and double it. Um, and there are doubling trains, so you can double the double and do the, the 1822 quadruple thing, which is fun. And other than that, let's go and do some other stuff. Johnny, why don't you tell us more about the game? Yeah, so a couple of other things. The stock market, it's got a very short bottom left section, so it seemed fairly forgiving. Uh, you get ledged pretty quickly. Um, I don't know how important that is to the game, but it was just something I noticed. And uh, the map also has a, a fair amount of pre-printed track on there, uh, on uh, like near Denver and then Omaha that kind of directs you a little bit or, or prevents you from going in certain directions out of, uh, out of some of the off boards. Uh, it also prevents anybody from really uh, going through Denver until greens, except for the person who has the company that starts in Denver. Oh, and the other one that that I felt was significant that we've talked about a little bit uh, offline is that all of the the high value cities are, are pretty much the same value, uh, roughly within ten dollars of each other. I think so. There did, really didn't feel like there was any specific like hub or hotspot or, or place that you you know bottleneck that you really everybody was rushing for. Felt pretty different from most of the games I've played, at least, where there's usually a few cities that people are trying to get to. Yeah, it it seems on the onset the game that like Denver and Omaha are going to be where you want to be. Just looking at the map is like, oh, there are these, I know those cities and they are big cities and they appear on the board to start and there's weird track around them to kind of restrict them. 
But then in the end, they only get up to be 60s, which almost every offboard ends up being a 60. Yeah, and so some of the longer runs, I mean, obviously, if you can hit the inboard cities that have offboard city income values, obviously, you can get higher runs. But I, I didn't feel like that was necessarily a very significant or impactful thing to have to do in order to win the game necessarily. Yeah. You know, to be running all the high, the, all the high value in board cities and off board locations. Len, what do you, uh, what, what else? What have we talked about yet? The, um, oh, then there's the, uh, kind of, kind of weird or, or I thought unusual from other games with miners. So this game's got two miners or they're called local railroads that run at the end of the game instead of at the beginning. They're kind of like when you run the rusted trains in 1880, but these railroads start later and all they do is run rusted trains. And as the trains rust, Oh, what was it? Is it every operating round you get to you get to get a bigger rusted train? I forget exactly what the mechanism was. Yeah. But, um... So the locals start when the five trains are bought. You can start them, um, and they have dedicated home spots on the map. And when you start those, you get to upgrade that immediately to brown that and and place your home token because that's where the reserve token is. They're allowed to have one train at any given time. The trim line is one but they are allowed to discard a train in order to buy a new one so long as they have the cash to do that on hand. So yeah, they can upgrade trains. And I did in the game. I bought like one of the, I bought a two, is it a two or a two plus two? It's a two plus two. Two plus two. And then I ended up discarding it to buy a four plus four, which is the highest non-permanent trains, the best they can run in the end. They also feature double shares. So a 40% there's there's five share companies, 40% presidency and then 20% shares, which makes them an interesting prospect because even though they're only running four plus fours and other companies might be running a 4D train at that point, they're effectively a 4D because you are getting twice the payout per share as far as like share density. And, and one way in which we didn't use them that I think uh, maybe something that's that should be done uh, is that they have a lot of tokens, if I'm recalling correctly. And they start after all of the starting companies probably have all of their tokens down. So they could probably use, be used pretty destructively to, uh, to start cutting out, you know, cutting down some of the more profitable routes. I'm going to fact check you on that. Uh, they have two, cho- t- yeah. two tokens. Yeah, I didn't, that's what I thought. Yeah, they didn't have very many. Oh, have, yeah. Why did I think they had more? Probably because they're playing like, the same other game that I was. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe I was counting the one that goes on the income track and the stock market and yeah, yes. everywhere else. They have lots yeah, of Johnny, tokens. Johnny took all those tokens and put them on the board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh the tokens are asymmetrical per per company. It's not one of the games where they all have the same. Like Denver that starts in in Denver only has two tokens. It's home and one more. Most other companies have 3. Union Pacific has 3. Colorado and Southern has four as well as the Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy. The Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy, I don't think got started. And we had, I felt like maybe that was a reason why there were uh, not not as many routes uh, cut off. I'm pretty sure that was the one. There was one company that nobody ever ended up starting. That's also like a, it's the one that starts in Chicago South, which is like on an off board uh, over on the east side of the map. And it seemed, just looking at it, because of the the surrounding terrain cost, there's rivers that cost 60 there, and there's a private that reduces those, but it, it seemed like a pretty rough place to start the game for some reason to me. I don't remember about necessarily about the start, but I do I do know that at the end of the game, it seemed like it was going to be tough to do much with it because there was track built all around it. Maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, because, so the Union Pacific will start. It's the B&O in this game. There's a private that that gives the presidency of that. Um, I say it will start. It will most likely start. I guess you could have the the B and O and try and do the B and O thing where you don't start and you just get income for as long as you can install, which didn't happen in this game. We just started it right away. Somebody helped me, I think, because you know, help it does pay out a lot. I thought I was getting a free share of your company because I started the Credit Mobilier, mm-hmm. and then I found out that it was uh, trade in for a share later, which made the uh, the private you know, really suck. Yeah, yeah. So badly. 
Yeah, that's one of the privates. It's one of the more interesting privates. I guess it's a good time to talk about those. You want to? I'm being sarcastic, by the way, because we're about to talk about how awesome that private is. Yeah. <laughs> go 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 ahead. Tell us about the privates. So yeah, so I I got it for. Do you have the prices? Because I, I don't remember what I got it for, but it was. I might remember if you have the uh, the face value. Yeah, let me find and pull them out. Here they are. So the Denver and Pacific is the cheap guy, $20 and $5 revenue. It also lets the Owen Corporation lay a tile in a particular hex right next to Denver. So that tile is blocked until phase three. It's not like a traditional blocker. Um, it lets someone do an extra tile lay, kind of like the uh, Lakeshore line in, in 46. So it sort of makes up because that tile is reserved. But anyway, that's that's all that guy does. The Morrison Bridging Company is a, is just a train discount on the rivers. It's $40, it pays 10, and it gives you two tokens that reduce the price of a tile by up to 60 bucks. The Amore and Company, Len, you had this one, right? Oh, the, the Denver one, yeah. Um, it's $70, face value, revenue is 15, and it gives you two tokens, or a token, that you can put on either side that you can place on a tile and either increase the revenue of that location by 20, and what is the deal? Uh, 20 and it stays closed? It's either 20 and only you can use it, um, but it closes the private, or you can leave the private open so it still pays you revenue, but everybody else can use it for half price, it, or half, uh, half the or 10 extra. For 10 right, extra. so it always pays you 20 extra, but mm -hmm. if you keep it open, it'll help other people as well a little bit, half, yeah, for 10. More. The Central Pacific is a share of the Colorado, oh, exchange for a share of the Colorado and Southern Railway. I believe that is also a stock market action to exchange, and it's $100 face value and $20 to buy in. Most of these, I'm trying to remember what the, um, the buy-in limit is. It's like one to one and a half. Half to face value um, is what you can sell them in for, except for like some of them, one can be bought in early, you know, earlier than phase three. And then some of them can't be bought in at all. The Credit Mobilier is P5. That's one that Johnny had. Is an exchange for the Union Pacific Railroad. Um, costs 130 and its revenue is $5 per tile laid. By anyone in the whole game. <laughs> the and, entire game. And it and never don't closes. Let, <laughs> don't let the teacher tell you that it closes on browns. Because I did. Because it's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> it does not close. The bank just pays. We had four companies. Yeah, we each had a company. It was all doing mm -hmm. two tile lays a turn, I think, because it's two two yellows a turn to start. Till Eric Brocious got wise and stopped laying tiles. So, you know, it's very good income for this thing. So Credit Mobilier is pretty interesting and will be featured very briefly as the... Actually, we're going to interlude Train Fact right now, this sucker. No, he won't. I'll do it later. No, make, make him wait. Yeah, I just teased it. Uh, the, but... Train fact. So what does it cost normally? Or what's the face value or the opening bid, whatever? Uh face value is one thirty. So I think I think I ended up getting that for somewhere in the in the ballpark of like one fifty or one sixty. Like very, very cheap. And Eric Brocious did stop laying track after a couple of rounds because I was getting eighty dollars uh, per set and like it paid for itself in two sets, obviously, and then Eric stopped uh, stopped laying track. Then Eric Hyden told me it was closing, so I exchanged it for a share of his busted company. It was okay. It was, it, yeah, I guess okay. It was okay. It was no eighty dollars a okay. set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was. I don't know if it was paying as much as the private was paying, but uh, I actually immediately sold that share during that stock round and bought other stuff that I think was better. So it might have actually worked out better for me. It's hard to say. I just wanted to warn anybody who's taught differently. It doesn't close. It does ever. not close. Now, the final private is the P6. That's the Union Pacific Railroad, and that is essentially the B&O uh, of this game from 1830. Well, it just comes with the president's share of Union Pacific. It pays $25. I don't know if I mentioned it. It is 170 face value, and it closes as soon as the Union Pacific buys its first train. Well, it's 170 opening bid but it's as you pointed out and made eric outbid you by saying so it's worth at least 200 i mean i'm sure he knew that but <laughs> yeah because you you can set the par price at 100 and there you go you've made 30 bucks if you bought it at face uh although i think you need a bid above face five dollars over face so 25 bucks anyway those are the privates 
what else? Do we have anything else? Uh, loss and track. It's loss and track, which I generally enjoy. Of the the track tiles that are interesting, like the Tom Ruster stuff, we already mentioned that the greens, you know, you go from dits to greens with a single token slot, and then most things go to browns that are worth 40 and have two slots, and then there's two that go to gray and are 50. So but besides that, it's it's mostly this this you know those fifties the sixties from like Omaha and Denver and the off boards that you're really fighting after and trying to get a good route that isn't tokened out. There's not a ton of tokens in the game. There's some. Yeah. No, that didn't seem like there were too many. I mean, so I guess I'll I'll just get to the thing I didn't like about the game, uh, which made me mostly lukewarm on it is that it re- the root calculations reminded me of when we first played 1846 and had a really tough time calculating our roots and our games took like six hours to play or more. <laughs> and it felt like that, except we've got now years and dozens of plays under our belts. So it felt worse because we're relatively experienced and having the same difficulties that we had with a game when we first started playing. Um, that was a little frustrating for me. And uh, it definitely took away from the enjoyment. And I think if there were more tokens, it would have been so much worse uh, because I think part of the problem is that your roots change so frequently because of dits becoming cities and, you know, new tokens blocking your, your old roots because most cities are, are single slots for, for a lot of the game. And then you get to brown and you get to two slots and then uh, only two spots on the whole board ever get three token slots. So, yeah, that, that was my main complaint. And I only bring it up now because we're talking about the number of tokens on the board. So right. I'm glad that that last company never started. Right. To, I mean, to be fair, the game took us three and three hours and 25 minutes to play, um, which for some people might feel speedy, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. But I do agree. The the routes were difficult to calculate. Rent lended. How did you feel about that? No, I didn't think they were terribly difficult to calculate, but it, it did sort of kind of what Johnny's saying. It, it, they, it seemed tedious a little bit, mm. and I'm not sure why. Yeah, it's like it's a sp- sprawling map where you don't have, I think you generally start from an off board or something like that, but it seemed like, okay, well, there's my token and I can branch off in every direction from this, you know, and, and you're trying to maximize your your plus trains with the dits. So so root calculation was, was more, also it could have just been that we we're not familiar with like what an ideal route was supposed to look like in this game. Yeah, I guess to, to kind of clarify, when I say difficult to calculate, what it felt like to me was that every turn I had to recalculate and it always felt like I was leaving something on the table. Mm. Like I would have to spend too much time analyzing the map to figure out my optimal set of routes for multiple trains. And then every turn it was changing again. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't necessarily difficult to calculate routes, but it did always feel like I wasn't getting my optimal routes in. Yeah. And I didn't want to just sit there looking at the map for an hour on my turn and have everybody snapping at me to... Move it along. A bunch of vultures. Um, <laughs> I mean, we do. We do snap sometimes. Let's go. Something else that we didn't mention is that you can issue shares in this game in the stock round. Yeah, you can like sell sell shares, uh, I think the game calls it, in the stock round as an action of the, the company. Or you can buy back your own shares during a stock round. But for every one that you sell, you drop one row. So you can issue five, and there's no limit to... Like in 1846, there's a limit. You can only issue as many shares as shares held by players, right? In this game, I could open a company. It's a partial cap game. I can open the presidency of a company. If I manage to pay out twice at the lowest par value, you are ledged, I believe. I'm not going to pull the stock market out, but it's it's either, I think it's two two or three pays. You know, you fall back once and you pay forward three times or something like that. At that point, you can issue all the shares you want with impunity, and you just get a bunch of money, uh, which is kind of cool. And I want to see that played with a little bit. I, I think there's something that we didn't see there as far as the train rush, or maybe didn't not see it, but we didn't use that. I Eric did that at some point. He did yeah, do the, uh, towards the end of the game. He splashed five shares in something, and um, yeah. you know, bought a bought a big train, and that was kind of cool. So I like that part of it. I wanted it to be slightly shorter and it probably could get there. I think for sure, like, you know, we we did have a little bit of rules lookup stuff. And like you mentioned, the roots would probably get a little bit more homogenous and easy to, not homogenous, but like, you know, used to, to calculating it. 
I did want it to be like a two and a half hour game instead of a three and a half hour game, I gotta say. I think one thing that would help with, with root calculation is if we kind of, if we played it more, we'd have a better idea of roughly how much trains are running running for, you know, different ranks of trains. Yeah. And then you'd stop, to, you'd stop getting that feeling of leaving something on the table and you get to something that sounds about right and you're like, okay, that's probably my best route and you stop there. Um, but we really had no idea. There's also, there's a funny thing that happens in 18xx games where you get, like, I'm pretty well accustomed to 1846 payouts, like the dollar amount that you get per run. And I also, like, had been playing and just came off of a, a, an online play of 1822 where you can get ridiculous payouts. And then I played this game and my run for most of the early part of the game was like $6 a share or something like that. And I was like, what is this trash? Like, what? what do you mean? I want more money. And I'm like greedy over fake money that is in a completely different economy in this game than those games. But I get accustomed to a higher number. You know, 1830 players are laughing at me right now. But um, yeah, I'm used to like, I want to roll in the dough a little bit. And this game does not, it's not a rich game, uh, especially in the, in the beginning. I don't know. Johnny and I were doing okay because yeah, I, I, um, <laughs> I got the, I got the, the the private you mentioned, the one that I said was the Denver private, but that's just because I put it in Denver, you know, giving you $20 extra on your, on, on the city you put it on. And even though in the first stock round, you know, the Denver Rio Grande only has three tokens, but I looked at it and said, okay, I got this private. I saw an easy four train route that was east to west. So I said, you know, let, let's go with the DRG. And then Johnny took the Colorado Southern and the two of us built kind of like this little you know, this little love fest around Denver and we were running two, two trains each. So I don't know about you, Eric, but two, yeah, yeah, two we plus twos, pretty good money. Yeah. Two, two plus twos. Yeah. Yes. And then I invested in, in lens company cause he was running for a little bit more. So overall I was, I was making decent money early on, but yeah, not necessarily 1822 money. Yeah. No. Well, in the beginning, I guess to be, I guess to be fair, the beginning of that game is pretty poor, but the end, the end. Uh, something that yes. I, I was just flipping through some cards on the table and I realized that we were leaving a pretty interesting thing on the table. Well, I, I find it interesting. I like this mechanic. Oh, oh, the pass mechanism. The pass yeah, yeah, mechanism. Yeah. So this game is not, uh, priority deal isn't stay with left of last to act or Lola. Or even most money or least money. Right. It, well, it is on after the initial. I think it's most to least money. I can, it's either most to least or least to most. I could double check that. But then after that, it's a first to pass, like an 1828, I believe, has this as well. Um, pass yes. order. It's it's the order of passing. So if I pass first, I take the first pass card and I sit on it until I either re-enter the auction, in which case I give it up to whoever has the second pass at that point or back to the, the pool. And you just do it in order, kind of like in um, Terra Mystica or something like that. And not auction. You, it, this is uh, this is stock rounds. So you could sell or buy. You can, you can jump back in and take more stock actions and give up your pass order. Right. So I like that. I think... Matt tried to design this game to be different and something he could still play with new players. And I think he achieved that, honestly, in this game. I think it is not atrociously long, especially if you play it more than once. We we should caveat that we've only played this game one time, so it's truly an initial impression. I think that the pass mechanism is straightforward and good. I would like to see that, like how that plays out in other games. I might even experiment at some point in the future for with like what if we just put that in a game you know what if we just so 1828 borrows this from 18 neb as well does it borrow it from neb did jc say that yeah no no um yeah i think i think there was an interview posted on bgg or something uh uh, you know text interview and um somebody had mentioned i think the the interviewee interviewer had had uh mentioned something about the mechanism being kind of unique and i think jc corrected him and said no actually it was used in 18 neb first Hmm. so i think he was implying that he had known that was existing in 18 neb before he did it yeah what i feel like there was another simplification oh the initial auction the lack of a waterfall auction and the way that works i think that's fantastic for new players and it is really very straightforward to teach and do um instead of having to the the first time anybody goes into a waterfall auction it's like what are we what how does this work? You know, you unzip to here and then wait, when do we, you know, it's very difficult to parse. And even I don't play a lot of games with waterfall auctions in them, honestly. 
I'm pretty bad at them. I can see the strategy now that I've played enough that I know that there, it's it puts this funny responsibility on you're you're playing the other players like well I'm assuming that that person the, the person that I'm going to outbid is going to realize that they need to then put the pressure on someone else who can't win like you know you're trying to mutually assure that no one's getting a good deal but it depends on other players seeing that so new players it just kind of falls apart and gets chaotic um, in my opinion. See, I I, I actually prefer, I, I see your point. I agree with your point. It is a little more straightforward to to learn uh, if you've never played a waterfall auction. But I, I'm not sure that uh, without some more thinking about it, which I'm not willing to do on the spot right now, that there's that much difference in trying to read whether or not you're going to continually get outbid and whether you should move to something else or just keep passing versus... Uh, having that ripcord hanging over everybody's head but i like having the ripcord there because it's something you can pull whenever it gets to you and assure that you've you've now moved things along whereas with this it's everybody's got to pass in a row yeah uh, so there's there's no way to assure that it ends personally yeah everybody kind of has to agree to end it yeah and i don't I... really love that <laughs> no. okay I, as far as like thinking about it strategically i think it's much easier to say, well, I still want that thing and that's not, I want it more, so I'm going to keep bidding on that thing. And then you get what you want if you're willing to pay for it. Whereas a waterfall auction, yeah. there's a lot more layers to it. You could not, you could be willing yeah, to pay yeah. a lot more for something. You know? Sorry, Len. No, no, as you were just saying, Eric, with a waterfall, it's more about outthinking the other person and saying, well, I want to be able to bid for that one, so I've got to bid for it now, so that when the auction, when it gets, when it unzips to there, I'll be in the auction for that instead of Eric just getting it. Whereas at least in this one, if you're the high bidder, you're the high bidder, and you just get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I agree with you. This seems cleaner than the waterfall because a lot of times, like you said, with 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 newbies, there's not that met. They don't they don't get the meta right, and everybody bids. You know. To use 1830s as an example, you know, oh, I'll I'll bid on I'll bid on the um, Champagne and St. Lawrence, and then the next guy bids on the Mohawk and Hudson. Everybody bids on one, and then someone pulls the ripcord, and everybody gets them cheap. And you know, one person in the game knows what they're doing, and then they win. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I also understand that the waterfall auctions are supposed to kind of inject some some variability to the start of the game, and and this auction might not. You know, people can just kind of decide what they're worth and pay those. But waterfall games too can get scripted after a while. I think they both have their, uh, the both methods have their merits to it. But I kind of, I kind of like this one because it's more like, um, you know, uh, eighteen twenty two like, and that you know, at least when the auction ends, if you're the high bidder, you know you're getting it. Not that there's another, there's an auction coming in which you'll be a participant, but you may not necessarily win it. You won't have the, See, the think, money to influence it. I think the yeah. difference between us is you guys like nice things that can be predicted. I like having more individual control over things. <laughs> well, I think you I have like a lot more individual control in this one. That's what I'm saying. No, what I mean is that yeah. the end the end of that auction is dependent on everybody essentially agreeing that we're all going to pass now. We've all bid what we want to bid. We're going to pass. The ripcord can be pulled by anybody. One person can decide that we want to move this along. Not necessarily end the entire waterfall, but at least move it to the next stage. You are a ripcord puller, I've noticed. You you yeah. pulled you've pulled more than your fair share of ripcords, <laughs> but even if I'm not the one pulling it, I like the fact that one person can decide to do it. Four people have to decide in this game that okay. we're all going to let it let or it end. Or three or I don't know. Does it play five? It's a good question. Right? Me. Yeah. Right. I mean, the number of players. The number of players. It. No, no. I know. I'm I'm being pedantic, but I thought I should mention that two to four player, and he says three to five hours on the box, which is you know we did three and a half. I, the teach, right? I didn't dislike the game, for the record. The game was perfectly average for me. An average 18xx experience. And the problem with average 18xx is I don't have the opportunity to play often enough to want to play an average game very often. Because there are several games that I think are phenomenal that uh, we can also play on a weeknight now because we've gotten a lot faster, especially with spreadsheeting. So I'm a lot more inclined to just pick even something like 1880, which a lot of people consider a longer game, we can finish in four and a half hours on a weeknight. I would rather play that in four and a half hours than 18 neb in two and a half hours uh, on most nights. You know, there might be a night where I'm like, I, you know, I can only handle two and a half hours because I'm tired, whatever. But all of the things being equal, 
I'd rather spend four and a half hours on some of the games that I absolutely love. Or 1824 is shorter than 1880, maybe a little longer than 18 Neb. I love that game. I'd rather play that. I'm just saying average doesn't quite do it for me for most of the time. I'm looking for that two and a half hour game, that consistently two and a half hour. I mean, besides 1846, uh, which is definitely consistently two and a half or lower uh, for for our group. Because four and a half is fine for most times that we're playing 18xx, but it's a lot harder of an ask time-wise. You know, a weeknight, if we could meet up at seven o'clock and be done by 9.30, I'm an old I'm an old dude who likes to sleep and has to get up and no fun. So... Well, I don't work Fridays, so... There you go. Um, I, I do, I'm still looking for that short, crisp, strategically deep game that is... I mean, I say I'm still looking for it. I found it. It's 1846, but you don't, come on. You got to like it. You got to just love that game. That's what I, you got to do. And then, and then I'll stop looking. But uh, yeah, besides that one, I haven't found another one that's tickled the the same spot. Tickled the spot. I don't know where I'm going with this. You know, if we played some of the games that I think are phenomenal, as many times as you've played 1846, you might find that some of them come down to playtime similar to 1846. Such as? Because the data is not there, right? The group that is extremely fast at 46 hasn't even played close to that number of plays of any other title. Wait, what title are you are you proposing would would come down in, to this level? Um, I mean, there's there's several games that are considered in the, like the two to four hour range that probably would be close to that. I think 1824 would be pretty short. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, Put me on the spot. I, yes, because I think that you're full of it. I, <laughs> I don't even have my shelf in the same room as me. That's true. I mean, hang on one second. 24, I could see being, I don't know, three and a half. When? Does that sound right? Uh, 24. Yeah, I guess we, we could get it on the shorter side. I'm not, I don't know if they get it under three, but yeah. Right. Um, 1860 could I don't, be a short one. Maybe. People say that Maybe. it's been f- it's been over five both times we played it. I know 1889. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, That's just the group we play. Yeah, but who wants to play 1889? I I like it. I do. I like 1889. <laughs> I played it once. That was enough for me. Really? But that's just me. Yeah. You should hear Kyle talk about it. Have you Have you read Kyle's talking about it? Oh, I know. I hear Kyle talking about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I just find 1889. I find 89 very samey, and I'm sure there are people that'll be happy to wait, wait, d- wait, debate that with me. But... You just said you've played it once. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Len. So that one time was the same All as right. every other time twice. you played it. I played it twice. <laughs> I played it twice. Ooh, we teased it out of him, and it was the same twice. It basically was. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. Could it be a lack of imagination on your part and the players that you were played with? Actually, it just made me think of something else. We're talking about short games, not necessarily that it's, I don't know if, if it fits our group. Len wants to get off this 1889 uh, one stopping. Yeah. <laughs> um, we could probably, like 18 Chesapeake's a short a shorter game, or 1882. Wait, what do you, why would you, what about 18 Chesapeake is so drastically different from 89 that you would never want to play 89 again, but you'd want to play Chesapeake regularly? Uh, from the, handful of times i've played both it's just the 89 map just um two i don't find the 89 map interesting at all he's saying a handful of combined of both yeah yes a handful combined yeah um i mean we are severely off topic at this point but i like this 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 thread that's fine <laughs> um i agree with a with chesapeake 89 with 49 that you mentioned johnny i would love 49 i'd love to play more of that a2 i yes agreed the the problem with most of those is the group of people that we play with don't favor games like 82 49 is a hit among them at least some of them but yeah that's 24 the, should be i think i don't know they're usually lonnie fans yeah uh yeah there are other there are other games that are be happy to play on the on the shorter end too definitely um ha i won what is, but but you were saying that most of these would be like get under under eighteen forty six times, which I don't agree. I'm, with. I I didn't, well, I didn't say under eighteen forty six. I said that we haven't played any of the other short games enough to know how short they can be because forty six has been played literally hundreds of times by this group. Yes, of course, it's going to be 
much faster than anything else. Sure. The game's basically, you've played all variations of the game now. They're all the same. Okay. I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, (laughs) That was the joke. That was obviously a joke, because every time 46 comes up, either Eric or Len, Eric Brocious or Len, makes a comment about how they're all the same. Yeah. Because somebody made that comment, every game of 46 is the same. That's why I don't play it. But they're all just so different. So yes, we make that joke a lot. I've heard somebody say that about 89 after one play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, oh. I know the guy. Yeah. How's that medicine taste, Len? <laughs> Don't listen to him. Did you make that medicine yourself? Is it a taste of your own medicine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's play 80, let's play 49 more. Let's do that. That sounds fun. Right, let's do it. And um thanks Len for the last time that you uh, ever agreed to appear on our show. We enjoyed having you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's move on to paying and withholding dividends. Upcoming streams and new new listener questions. Uh, we do have a new lipener li, question. A new lipener question. And that is, it's kind of, it's not like any of our other questions. We're curious if anyone has played the heat, sweat, and beer variant of 18DO. We know people have. If you have, what are your thoughts? How does it compare to a quote-unquote normal 18xx game to you? It's something that introduces this is it maybe a slightly euroy flavor into the game with the the beer companies or does it not feel that way to you what are your impressions do you like it and then there's the expert variant too so i guess same question for that if you want to answer that is that the one that we played no no we played the uh we played the railway game i think it was called which is like the basic version right what's the expert variant and then i think it's like more than heat sweat and beer Ooh. but i'm not i can't remember i just know that that somebody had commented on trying the heat, sweat, and beer variant. There was so much to it. They said, I can't even imagine the expert variant. I oh. thought was some, something along the lines of that. I, I'm probably misquoting. Was this Randy? Uh, I'm not going to say who it was. Well, Randy Randy <laughs> had some thoughts. And uh, some people in our Discord have talked about a little bit about uh, 18TO. And some were, some liked it fine, but thought the rules could use some refinement. Some didn't like it. Curious to hear your take on it if you've played the game. We haven't played the Heat, Sweat, and Beer variant yet, but we do plan to give it a shot on stream. Oh, I just glanced over at my shelf, and on the topic of games that we would we should play more, 1862, I would love to make that a game that we play all the time. I love that game. I mean, yeah, I love 1862, but that's not going to be a, a short game. That's not a three-hour one, yeah. Yes, it is. I Absolutely, that is a three-hour game. Ask Randy. God damn it. That guy's played it a hundred times. <laughs> We, All right, let's do it. Our first game that we played on stream was four hours. I mean, I, in in my one play yeah. of it, it was more than three hours. No, I'm just kidding. I've played it more than once. I'll play anytime you want. I love 62. I also love 62. I just disagree that it's a three-hour game. Our first play was four on the nose, I think. And that was a, that was with the stream. It's all that stuff. It's got some sweet time-saving business at the end. I think that is a three-hour game. If we uh, and, and we've always played the long variant with the long train roster and we could even try with a short one who knows no we can't we can't it's against the rules apparently it's not good yeah randy says so yep that's our listener question we don't have upcoming streams uh scheduled at the the moment but we will be playing non-age of steam games again on stream but right now we're (laughs) in con season so you want to see us have heard this already and know about it and come to oh, I mean, listen to our last episode and come to TotalCon and play some games with us. I feel, like, I feel like we've said this before, but I just want to respond because we had a specific comment about not streaming more Age of Steam. We're not replacing any 18xx streams with Age of Steam. We're just much more easily able to schedule Age of Steam on a work night. Yeah. So don't think that we are giving up opportunities to stream 18xx in favor of Age of Steam. That's not what we're doing. We do both think it's a fantastic game, um, yes. and it is worthy of praise and enjoyment. And it is a train game, so it fits the theme of the podcast. So you know, but 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 <laughs> what Johnny said is true. Yeah, we're we're not cheating on uh, 18xx with uh, Age of Steam. We're just we're in a an open relationship. If we ever uh, if we ever do that, we'll change our logo to use Age of Steam track oh. instead of 18xx track. 
Actually, we should probably do it as like a parody shirt and yeah. just send one to Joe. Yeah, just to Joe. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's uh, paying withholding dividends, buying trains. That's where we uh, do our train fact. And uh, oh, yeah, you have one. I got I I it's a it's not like well prepared, um, as is the theme <laughs> of this podcast. But check this out. Hey, when I have train facts, they are extremely well. Yeah, I just don't want to. Um, the Credit Mobilier was a company that the Union Pacific, when they got the contract to, and I'm going to kind of glaze over some facts if that wasn't obvious. <laughs> we're, we're, we're glazed over already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they were one half of the leg trying to you know meet with the Union Central to complete the transcontinental railway. But they realized that it was going to take a long time and it wasn't going to be profitable for them for a long time to build the railway. So the the higher-ups of the company, the owners of the company, the board, in order to make money, they decided, hey, you know what we could do? We could open a construction firm and then we could hire that construction firm to build our track for us. But we could also own that company so we could hire ourselves to basically like launder money um, they they opened a company called the Credit Mobilier, uh, Credit Mobilier. I, I'm not French. Uh, and they contracted themselves. I mean, the Union Pacific contracted the Credit Mobilier to build the railway. I think they charged like ninety two million dollars, something on that order, um, to build all of their railroad. But it only cost them about forty. 40 million or 42 million or something like that. So they pocketed 50 or so million dollars and then split it amongst their share shareholders. And it was like one of the biggest scandals of that time period, 1865 to 1869. It was a big scandal in Congress because the people who were running this started bribing Congress members to not say anything about their scandal. So they were using the profits from the Credit Mobilier to bribe Congress who was paying them exorbitant money to build railway and they kept their mouths shut. And then eventually this all came out and like a third or two thirds of Congress got, uh, you know, they, they lost their offices and never came back into power because of it. So it was this huge, huge scandal, uh, scandal. Um, and I thought it was just, ah, it's beautiful. And in this game, it's funny cause you know, the union Pacific is there and this company is there and it's getting, it's getting a bunch of money for laying track and it, you know, it's, it's Wait, cool. So I was the bad guys. You were the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was technically, it's, it's more flavorful when, and the game actually doesn't really design it well enough to, to let you do it because the union Pacific president pays a lot for it's private that gives you the, the presidency. And so it's really hard to get both the union Pacific and the credit mobilier, which is like 125, I think. Um, I think you do have enough cash to do. If you buy the two most expensive ones, you can be the bad guy who's contracting himself um, to build track uh, or the, them, themselves. So anyway, that's that a, a train fact. Isn't it? Is, is, I, I love that story. Um, <laughs> and if you read more about it, there's 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 some interesting stuff. It's, uh, it's a whole big thing. You can Google. It's like taught in history classes, actually. If you look up like Credit Mobilier scandal, um, it's pretty, pretty popular. So nice. that's a train fact. All right, I think it's time to wrap things up. Yeah, you've been listening to Train Shuffling. We have had been your hosts, Eric Hyden and Johnny Hollander. If you want to have gotten, have had gotten in touch with us about anything we have had said in this podcast, we can have had been reached by email at trainshuffling at gmail.com, on Twitter at trainshuffling, on our BGG guild number 3710, on our hotline 410-357-1898, and if you want to have had supported the show, visit patreon.com slash train shuffling. Len, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you had a good time. And I'm sorry if we've upset you mortally. I will have been happy to have had been your guest. And uh, <laughs> I hope we had a good time. At, I hope we had a good time at TotalCon this week. <laughs> Me too. All right. Thanks, I, Len. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. All right. <laughs> Ready? Ready. Ready. Ready.
Hey everyone, welcome to episode. Okay, I thought Never I was mind. doing it. I thought I was doing it. <laughs> come at it with some energy, though. Hey everyone, come on. <laughs> but that can we can we stop for sec? Can we stop for a second and off the record? Yep. Uh, I've been listening to this, and it's obvious that you haven't read this before you started reading it because you're stumbling in the middle of sentences. No, that's just me. You might want to. I've read it. I I'll edit. Okay, I'll edit the stumbles. Right. Thank you, Len. Okay. For the, okay. I've read it. You're welcome. <laughs> you try it, <laughs> guy. Okay. Right. Len, I can't see when you highlight <laughs> and your name pops up over the fucking thing. Who gave? Oh, I'm sorry. Who gave right, you access Google, to the text? This is Google Doc. This is Google Docs. Never mind. Sorry about you that. Len, you well, criticize right, him for stumbling over sentences that you're highlighting. Right as the word sorry. that I was gonna go read, I get my eyes get to it. It's like Leonard K. Just over it. <laughs> Sorry. All right, I'm gonna try that again. I do. I like that. My first, my first note under this section is maybe get rid of this section. <laughs> the only note you mean? The only note. It's also the first. This is the best episode we've ever done. Sorry. This is how. <laughs> listen, Len. This is how the sausage gets made. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Take us into running trains, Johnny. Len, why don't you take us into running trains? Oh, shit. Well, thanks for that vote of confidence. No, no, no. It was like exciting. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Eric you know? got his popcorn real quick. Yeah. This is the last stop on this train. Everyone, please leave the train. Thank you for riding with MTA New York City Transit.